The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. We say good morning to Mayor Jim Lankbelder. How are you? Great. How about you, Sammy? Um, that St. Patty's Day parade is kind of special. And, and it... I, I think that it differs from the state fair parade because state fair parade gets a lot of people from central Illinois and so does St. Patty's day, but that's a Springfield crowd in that St. Patty's day parade. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I first got in tune to it when I was treasurer, but then Pat or uh, Tim Davlin really raised the echelon, so to speak with the importance of it and yeah. bringing the community out. And, uh, you know, it's been building ever since. You, how many in the entourage did you have the other day? Did the whole family? I know you, you and your brother Josh were together. Yeah, I tried to keep it to the fifty required, <laughs> so it was a little bit over, I think. But the yeah, it's mostly just family actually. So uh, yeah, that we try to keep it to that, you know, because when you're in a parade, people want to see the music or hear the music, and yeah. you know, really have fun out there. Uh, we have not talked to you since, uh, but to no one's surprise. Uh, you announced for a third term. How much thought went into that, or is that something that you've been contemplating for a while? Well, after you, uh, you know, every election, you always uh, look ahead. And so, um, you know, I always uh, concentrate on doing the work, and uh, the elections happen automatically, right? If you're doing a good job, you should be reelected. And so that uh, debate will come later, of course, but I've always contemplated it. But you have to have the full support of your family. For myself, of course, it's my wife. And because it is a drain on the family, it's sacrificing, uh, you know, two years with the pandemic impacts everybody. And that was the challenge ahead of us. So that's why I look forward to is how do we uh, really bounce back from the pandemic? Because we had great times going into the pandemic and then that happened. Uh, so, you know, Springfield will rebound because we are a really strong community thanks to the small businesses and, you know, the people. And then being the state capital really uh, raises the volume and they're doing a lot of activity. So uh, great things are Yet to come. Is staff, you think, uh, pretty good for a third term? Or uh, there'll be some, obviously, that mm-hmm. choose to do other things. That's natural. Oh, you mean uh, directors? Yeah, that's uh, right. Wise. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the most part, of course, the economic development, that's the one that's still there. Um, and the challenge is, especially, you know, we have a acting library director and uh, appreciate her taking that role on because I will bring her forward, her name forward, uh, after about six months. Uh, uh, Summer Griffith, but with regards to directors, they're in exempt positions. And so with election looming, right. you know, people, you know, have to, you know, if they don't have employment, they have to give up what they have and move into that position. And, you know, I always think that it's all going to work out, but that is the part of the risk in being directors. That's why they get a, you know, uh, they're more salaried, a little bit higher level than others, just because of that standpoint that you could be out uh, with a change of administrations. Uh, let's talk a little about the library thing because the former director has certainly gone public with opinions and so on. Uh, how much research, how do you make that decision? Do you talk to a lot of people? Do you go over there yourself and observe what's going on? How do you come up with that conclusion that, that in your words, maybe go a different direction? Yeah. With, uh, Nancy Huntley, you know, she was the, uh, best library director you could ask for. And she served numerous mayors. Uh, after she left, we went to a national search of sorts. Uh, and then um, uh, had Will O'Hearn was was great. Then uh, then more recently uh, uh, with the uh, Rochelle Hartman. And then after that departure, then uh, 
I did a, I met with all the employees that wanted to meet, you know, individually, asked them what they'd like to see different, what worked well with the library, things of that nature. And so uh, from that and interviewing individuals, you know, of course, one of the questions I asked is, do you see anybody within that would make sense? And, uh, you know, there's three individuals, uh, names kept recurring, Summer Griffin being one of them. The other two really weren't, um, wanted to take that step forward. And so we restructured the department or the library uh, from that standpoint. So now we have city historian Curtis Mann, um, who's, uh, you know, the head of Sangamon Valley Collection mm-hmm. and a, you know, a great knowledge bank. And we're going to use him for outreach. And then we have uh, Emily Stone, who's uh, uh, assistant director, internal operations. So you have that expertise. And then that allows Summer as a director to do both facets and move the library forward exponentially, you know, post-pandemic. Oh, it's taken so long on the economic development. I know you're we're looking for someone. It's Is it just not the fit yet you have found? Well, there's a, a couple of individuals I was approaching, but uh, okay. neither one had uh, panned out. I thought one of them would. And so uh, uh, really the initial part, uh, there were some vacancies, so we filled those and brought people in with particular expertise. And so uh, really in government, what you don't want are filters because once it, uh, information or a decision to be made, if someone along the um, you know the hierarchy says no, that pretty much kills unless it can get to the next level somehow. So in economic development, uh, that's what I want to make sure is there's a free flow of information so we can make those decisions uh, exponentially and moving projects forward that need to be moved forward. Do you like the con- – I presume it's in the contract mm-hmm. where police and fire uh, chiefs uh, have to become from within the organization? Well, the uh, police, you can hire with uh, oh, outside. Oh, you, you can. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. Yeah, actually, with the fire uh, contract, uh, we were hoping that it uh, turned more like the police – uh, because during the pandemic, it showed the flaws of the fire contract and the strength of the police contract where the chief was actually able to lead the department in a more effective manner uh, during the pandemic where it was challenging for the current fire chief to do so. So uh, one of those, of course, is, uh, you know, do you have the ability to um, you know recruit outside? And uh, I have the always commitment, just like library, I wanted to see somebody internal. And that's the same with the uh, police and fire. Uh, where it gets challenging is if they're ra- rising up above the ranks, when you step into the leadership role, you have to make uh, unfavorable decisions. And so that's where it gets a little uh, challenging. You really have to step into that leadership role, and you can't worry about what your former union friends uh, you know, thought. You have to really do what's in the best interest of the city, the citizens, and most importantly, and then uh, the rank and file. It goes without saying that, Chief Winslow, and and I think did a very good job. Let's preface my question and your answer maybe by that, and I'll let you expand on that. But the fact that he was out looking really bothered some people. It bothered aldermen. It bothered some citizens of Springfield that he was out looking to leave the city. Um, Did that bother you? Uh, On occasion it did. Okay. Uh, It depends where he was looking. (laughs) I told the chief, I said, if you go there, it looks like the city of Springfield is not in a good position because usually when you take a job, it's uh, you know it's an upgrade. Sure. And there's some cities that he was going to apply for. And I said that doesn't look good for the city of Springfield <laughs> because I didn't consider it an upgrade. Uh, but for him, uh, that doesn't didn't bother me uh, for two reasons. One is because uh, when individuals re- reach the age of retirement, police or fire, usually they go ahead and write off because they can get another job, they get their pension, and they make a lot more money. 
the chief left uh, tens of thousands of dollars on the table by staying with us. And I asked him to stay through uh, the summer, at least, and then I asked him to get us through this budget season, and he did that, which I appreciate. Uh, the other thing is we're losing people left and right. You know, the state is our competition, or uh, people are being recruited on a act actively. So him, uh, you know, seeing what's out there and available, uh, I knew eventually, we all knew that this day would come. We just, uh, you know, for myself, I just wanted him to stay on for that succession planning and to make sure it was a good time to hand off the baton, sort of speak to now Chief Scarlett uh, to move the department forward. What did you like about Chief Scarlett? What did he what gave him the edge? What qualities did he bring to the table? Well, he's a solid individual. This, I, this was the only uh, professional job he had ever had. So, you know, it goes uh, a long ways when you're saying, this is my uh, passion in life, and you're actually serving in that position all your adult life. And so that was one. And so he knew the uh, department inside and out. What was, uh, you know, he's a genuine person, and uh, he really wants to, <clears throat> excuse me, move the department to the next level, and that was clear. And he has uh, learned about community engagement and uh, the challenges thereof and how do you make that sacrifice of time uh, for the benefit of the police department and our community working uh, collectively. But the whole um, uh, command staff, they really, as a group, I've interviewed each one, they really uh, backed each other up. So it's just not uh, Chief Scarlett will lead the way, but it's the other individuals that really make it work as a team. Uh, Mayor Jim Langfelder was visiting with us at about 20 minutes past the hour. Uh, the ward map is going to be redrawn. And, of course, that's going to have an effect on who's going to file, who's not, and so on and so forth. Give me an update. Where are we at as far as redrawing the 10 wards? Yeah, we're, we asked uh, regional planning, uh, Molly Burns, to help us with that process. And so they um, use the census from the population standpoint. That's why it's important to, uh, you know, uh, fill those out because it does give us the numbers that are validated through the federal government of the population centers within the city. So how the, uh, according to the consent decree, one of those wards have to be 51% or above minority uh, representation. So uh She'll take a look at it, and again, the council is the final say-so. We'll take a look at the population, how it needs to be with, uh, redrawn, if at all, and then also the minority population in each ward, and usually Ward 2 is the one that has over 51% minority population. So we'll look at both those aspects, the population, to try to uh, have a parity in that regards, but also the minority representation of the plurality in one of those wards. Um. Are you, is there a timeline when they're going to get that first proposal to you? Well, uh, I'm going to have to uh, sit down and meet with her. But really, this is a city council initiative. It's not the mayor's directive or anything of that nature. So it's collectively all of us. That's why I've kind of uh, taken a step back. And Alderman Williams has really moved the ball forward from that aspect. But we will, uh, I, I would believe we'd have something by June, hopefully. And uh, I think uh, what we'd like to do is see the, I've talked to several of the aldermen, or city council members, I should say, uh, they prefer just leaving it uh, not much adjusted, if at all possible. Um, there's an issue. Okay, explain why do we have appear to be more flooding in Springfield, in, in, and even some on the west side, newer neighborhoods and so on, the downtown, is the infrastructure just that out of date that it can't handle? Well, downtown, uh, that's the importance of doing the underground water tank storage at the Y Block. Uh, but we are looking at uh, how do we reline the sewers. So there could be a, a leakage happening, uh, but we do have an overhead projection program. So if someone has flooding in their basement, they should contact uh, CW, or I'm sorry, Public Works 
217-789-2255. And we'll take a look at the area. We'll send a camera down into a uh, sewer area, see if it's impacted by tree roots or what have you, or if there's any type of cave-in so we can repair that. But that's one of the initiatives through the American Rescue Plan dollars. Uh, one of those was sewer work. You know, it was uh, water, sewer, and broadband were the three capital projects that were of greatest importance. Uh, expansion coming up, potential on Cokey Mill, is that right? Uh, from Westmore Old Jack, if you will, going north, uh, has that been on the table for a long time? No doubt about it. It's uh, one of the things I learned as mayor is how long it takes to get a road project done because <laughs> you have to do the engineering work. I mean, they, it takes like two years just to study and survey and get it, uh, you know, bid ready. And so that's the next phase is the public forum coming up with Cokey Mill. And Alderman Donlin can tell you, you know, his grandmother uh, totaled her car going under the underpass uh, over there. And so that's what we're trying to correct, that whole aspect. And that definitely has flooding issues over there and uh, do a correction of the road work in that area. How about uh, Stanford, uh, the extension, obviously, with the overpass? It's fantastic to 6th Street, mm-hmm. 6th to 11th, 11th to Fox Mill, and then it's four lane out from then. Is that also on the drawing board and getting closer? We put that out for bid. Uh, actually, it's by really? the Bum Park area. Okay, you know, that's yes. That's the next leg of it. And um, unfortunately, that one uh, came back a lot higher than expected. So we may have to see a correction of material costs, things of that nature. Uh, but we'll probably put it out for a rebid and see if it was just the timing of it, uh, because it was millions of dollars over the uh, expected cost. The, the Y block, what's the future? I, I, I haven't heard. Are there concerts coming back this summer? Yeah, the Levitt concert Levitt series. Com- yep. is coming yep. back, okay. We're in partnership with downtown Springfield. So, right. Uh, Lisa Clement-Stock got that ball rolling, and it continued on uh, under Kayla Gravens. And we're partners in that, and they have other sponsors. But uh, we did apply for a Main Street grant. That's a, a statewide grant uh, that you can apply for that changes corridors. So we applied there, and then also the CAP 1908 project on South Grand was another corridor that was applied for that grant. But what we're going to do is uh, I've been in contact with Massey Massey, asked them to put together the, uh, the uh, detailed uh, construction design plans, and that will be like a three-month process. And that way, when the Levitt concert series over, uh, we'd be able to move forward with uh, the development. Uh, hopefully, we do have grant funds so we can start doing that work uh, in September. But if not, uh, we could see what we can do internally, you know, through Public Works or CWLP, and start uh, changing that block from that aspect. What we did apply for is uh, the initial footprint would be an activated space uh, that can be enjoyed with concerts, uh, water fountains in the summer, ice skating hopefully in the winter, and uh, really activating the space with the future if uh, the crowd show up uh, or dic- uh, deems it necessary that you could uh, possibly put a venue on uh, my preferences on the Fifth Street, you know, between so it doesn't interrupt the view of the Capitol Avenue, but on Fifth Street. So it takes a look at the Capitol. And I think that'd be a great space. But in the meantime, we will have amenities on there with uh, restrooms because it is a sloping area. Uh, Mayor, let's talk about the position of Corporation Council, and mm-hmm. I'll lead into that in just a moment. Um uh, how important is that in the operation of a city? And what do you like or why do you, he's been with you for a while, Jim Zirkel. What about his style of handling that office? It's had a number of people in there over the years. Mr. Zirkel goes back. He worked in previous administrations and so on. You and him appear to have a pretty good relationship. Oh, yeah. It goes way back, actually. Uh, you know, give you the history of Springfield. Sure. I think he was a young attorney when. Uh, Mayor Mike Euston first served. Okay. And then when my father became mayor, he brought him back 
uh, during uh, his term, and then also the change of government. So, you know, he's like the author of the <laughs> automatic form of government. But uh, it's crucial to have uh, a good corporation council, uh, you know, the main reason to keep the city out of lawsuits, right? But the other thing is uh, we saw what happened uh, under Mike Houston his last term, and it, it wasn't anything uh, that he had done, but uh, you had a musical chairs of uh, corporation councils because that can really upset uh, operations of the city. So what I like about uh, Jim Zirkel is, uh, you know, his history, his knowledge bank, and uh, he comes from the development side as well. So when he uh, was no longer at the city, that's what he had done is some development. So he understands that part of it as well. So that mix really lends itself well as we move into the future, especially when you look in the utility. Uh, we got upside down and wind contracts. And it's very important to have someone with that knowledge bank to make sure that you do not get upside down and contracts that harm the city. You've heard it. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about it because there are people that have said, Bobby, people are not going to vote for you, but there are people that have said uh, Jim Zirkel runs the city. Oh, that. Yeah. yeah, you've heard that. What's your reaction to that? Well, I've heard people say, oh, you need to get rid of Zirkel and I'll vote for you. But uh, I've never done it that way. You know, I'm kind of a unique person. I learned that from my parents is you go in and you serve the public. That's what you stay focused on. And so, uh, you know, I does he run the city? To, no. Okay. No, he does not. All right. Actually, you know who runs the city? I... 115,000 people that <laughs> I report to. So uh, that's, you know, that's what you really uh, stay focused on is sure. how best do we move forward uh, from that? Does he have uh, influence on, uh, you know, progress as far as uh, how soon things get to the city council? Without a doubt. I mean, you have to use your corporation council to, uh, you know, move forward ordinances, things of that nature. So from that aspect, I think uh, he is uh, one of my, uh, trusted advisors. Understand. I think that's where sure. they get that from. And, uh, you know, I uh, lean on some directors more than others uh, just because they've stepped up to the plate. Uh, driving, as I do almost on a daily basis, around Stevenson or around 55 exit to Stevenson, I notice, again, the power is offline. There is nothing emanating from the stacks. What's going on? Well, I think uh, typically in the spring, you do have downtime. Okay. You know, you just look at your my ther- our thermostat at home. Uh, you don't run it as much because it's not as hot or not as cool. And so, uh, actually, this is the uh, low-level time of usage. Uh, but when you move into the summer months, you know, the hot months, uh, that's when they'll start ramping it up to a greater degree. But we are looking at, you know, of course, 31, 32, and 33 are down. Uh, now, well, sunsetted, I should say. So we are looking at uh, solar as a blend that we can utilize. But again, going back to your previous question, we want to make sure that, um, you know, contractually we do get in a good relationship because you get an upside down on a relationship with CWP, and we're talking millions of dollars, and that's what we've been able to avoid and really lead the way to the future of the utility. How are we doing on roads? You satisfied with the progress we're making on resurfacing and things like that? And yes, Chatham Road is getting completed. Everybody can breathe a little easier. Right. Uh, that was a partnership. You know, uh, Leland Grove finally uh, was able to get their financing in place. But we've heard, uh, we just had a discussion with the Park District yesterday, and they really appreciate uh, partnerships because we're able to, as a larger user, especially in the material costs that we're running into, uh, the larger quantities that you can deal with, we are able to give them kind of a, a break on pricing. And so that's the importance of those partnerships. But we all, let's face it, we all want roads done sooner sure. and faster. And that's the frustrating part, especially MacArthur Boulevard. That's one where we offered the state to take that over because it is a state road. 
and it was going through, you know, previous governor had it moving forward, and then it's almost done a reset. But when it was two years without a state budget, we offered to do the engineering and uh, uh, the surveying to move it forward another year or two. Uh, but unfortunately, they didn't take us up on it. But it's like a five-year project, and we probably have four years left to get it to fruition. Uh, but the state, it's my understanding, will be doing patchwork this summer uh, to make sure that it's not uh, as bumpy a ride as it currently is today. Pensions, how are we doing? Are you satisfied with addressing and what we did as far as the budget is concerned? Well, uh, as so far, uh, the work's not done, but what we'd like to see is help on the state side. You know, they really, uh, Alec, they're the ones that hold the benefit per string, sure. so to speak. They make changes to any pension benefit, and it's uh, kind of an unfunded mandate. What we'd like them to see uh, do is move the ramp out. That's the amortization schedule out 10 years, so it matches up with state uh, pension years to 2050 instead of 2040. And then we would maintain that level of payment that we have now, which is roughly about $29 million to police and fire pensions. But every year it goes up by a million dollars, maybe $2 million. We just want it to stay at that level. And then by doing the ramp move out, we'd be able to start eating into the unfunded liability. So that's really the change that could happen, that we'd maintain the current level of payment and we'd start eating into the unfunded liability uh, more than what we can currently do. And then that way the services don't suffer. Because every year, if it goes up a million or two million dollars, you're gonna if you don't make that up through revenue sources like sales tax or hotel motel tax or property tax values, you're gonna have to find those resources or cut. Uh, like Channel Twenty reported, the city garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are folks, <laughs> probably the director uh, opened in '41. I pro- I know I'm the oldest in this room. I was probably first in there in '47. For my uncle was the night mm-hmm. superintendent, mm-hmm. so I thought it was old then, and it was only seven years old. Mm-hmm. Is it time for a new facility? Oh, no doubt. And uh, I talked to Director Bottom during the budget, and we actually had design work done. So we are going to come forward with that, and uh, uh, timing's everything. But we are buying property off of Clear Lake in that general area. So uh, we probably still use that facility for storage, but eventually we will have a new garage. I'm not going to ask you to give your thoughts, but you've got a state of the state of downtown coming up, state of the state of Springfield. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did they let you know in time? Yeah, they did. Have you started putting the ideas together? Uh, what are the one or two mind, things? Give me yeah, one or two things, uh, like one or two things that, that, that you are very, uh, well, where we're at today. Mm-hmm. One or two things, that'll be the final question, I promise. Oh, for downtown? Yeah. Uh, really, uh uh, the U of I and coming downtown oh, UIS boy. and uh, uh, really the innovation hub because we have our own fiber. We build out 40 gig capacity, uh, but also that ramps coming down uh, in the near future. I think it's supposed to start this week. And so that will uh, create a new footprint for downtown, especially if the UIS center ends up being where I think it is. Uh, that whole four street corridor connecting up to the new Y will be the next uh, well-developed corridor like fifth and sixth street connecting the medical community to downtown transportation hub is looking good as i drive right. by there that's going to be a major major and asset real quick community. on that yeah one small move that i took a lot of backlash on was the move of the salvation army out to gold's gym yes that created that footprint to make the hub possible and uh that cleared the deck it rearranged the uh property so horseman now can expand to the east as well as the north that they could do but uh, smtd and the county uh they were able to lay their uh, footprint or rearrange the property so you could have the hub and the bus has moved off capital uh capital avenue always good to see you thanks for coming you in too. Thanks. thanks for spending time with us i appreciate day. it you've been listening to the newhoff media podcast network for more visit newhoffmedia.com